Today's scripture, or today's message, is from Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thanks, Dana, and thank you, Allison and Jason. Well, it's good to be back preaching after several weeks off on vacation and then back while others finished up the Fullness of God summer series. And we're going to start this morning a series for the rest of summer. I know, again, some of you have school starting way too soon, but it is still summer, and we'll try to stretch it out as long as we can, even if some of you have to go back to school sooner than you would like. So here's what I want you to do for a moment. Um, I want you to think about food. I know that's not what a preacher should do um, at 1040, because uh, maybe you haven't eaten breakfast. Maybe you're starting to realize you have lunch needs. Uh, maybe you saw the brownies that came in the back earlier. Uh, but think about lunch, uh, food for a moment. Uh, what are you having for lunch today? Like, don't answer me, but just think, okay? Um, in your mind, you can talk about these things. Uh, what's what's on the table for dinner tonight? Or or this week? Are you are you having some people over? Or maybe you're you're going to some some people's homes. Uh, maybe maybe there's just a special meal coming in in your life. My my wife and I we celebrate our 29th anniversary uh, a week from today, and so I have to figure something out for us to do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone recently and, and I talk, talking about the miracle of birth because he's a dad and he said, no, the miracle is my wife is still with me after 35 years. Um, it's, it's, it's a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle that, yes, 29 years, not, not because of anything bad, but it is cool. So that's a meal coming down my, my schedule in the next week. What are we going to do for our anniversary? So meals, food. On the one hand, what, what, are, what are meals? It's simply fuel, right? And so some of us, we, we have to remember that more than we'd like. Uh, some of us tend to think of food other than as fuel, and so we take in too much. Uh, but, but really, uh, at the one hand, that's all food is. It's fuel. But, but honestly, food's enjoyable. Like I mentioned, we have chocolate brownies with chocolate chips, and there's no nuts in them if you're a no-nut kind of guy like I am uh, for after today. That has no fuel benefit to it. It's just enjoyable, so here's, here's the question now, and you can take a look uh, at the screen for this. If Jesus was going to have a dinner party today, let's say he was still walking around and he happened to be in Sonoma County in Santa Rosa, who do you think he would invite? Who would Jesus invite to a dinner party? This is a question we're going to actually consider um, several times over the next several weeks. We, we are starting the second sermon series of summer. Um, this, this series is called Meals with Jesus. And in this series, um, we're going to do something kind of unique. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. You heard Dana read uh, from Luke uh, 5 just a few moments ago. And what we're going to do throughout Luke's account of the life of Jesus is look at the six different times that Jesus ate meals with people. 
Okay? So kind of kind of an interesting uh, way. We're not going to start Luke 1-1 one, one and, and take all the way through, but six sermons, six incidents in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus ate meals. And it's interesting. Um, in, in John, uh, Jesus shows up in John 2, some of you know, at a wedding. And he definitely eats at that wedding. Uh, there's, there's a few other accounts in John's Gospel where Jesus eats meals. Um, well, Luke, and Luke is part of what, what we call the synoptic Gospels. So just remember this, if you know this, or if this is new information. Uh, the first four books of the New Testament are the, the biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those names represent the people who, who wrote those accounts. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic because they have the same a synopsis, essentially, if you will. They, they follow the same basic timeline. Here or there, they, certain ones will mention things that the others don't, but, but generally you can, you can look at them in what's called a harmony, and those books exist, and you can see that for the most part they, they travel the same, the same path. Whereas John, he, he's got a different agenda for the things he tells us about the life of Jesus. And, and remember this too, by the way, and in all of them, they, they aren't thinking biography the way, the, way, the way we think biography. Um, I have a biography of Michael Jordan that's about this thick. I've been reading it for about 12 years. Uh, don't, ask, don't ask Ginger about that. She, she gives me a hard time at least twice a year about it. Um, it's supposed to be my vacation read, but I never get to it. And so, but it is like, you know, thick. And it's like every minutiae detail about uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they didn't think biography that way. They had reasons for the things they told. What's interesting is, is what you heard read a few moments ago. Um, all three of the synoptic writers include this incident. All three tell the story that you, you heard. Um, and so this is obviously one that for all three of them was important because uh, as human authors, they, they had a purpose for writing. And we believe, though, beyond that, God was inspiring, again, that is moving them to tell those, those accounts. And so therefore, this is one that is worth uh, us considering. But now, the meals, the meals. Uh, we could look at all the miracles Jesus performed. We could take a look at all the different times Jesus, um, you know, just did sermons. Uh, and, and again, those are recorded, but, but this, this seemed like a fun one to do. Actually, uh, one of my good friends, best friends, Jeremy uh, Reitbull, uh, who some of you might remember if you've been around Soma long enough. He preached here a few different times over 10 years ago. So when we were back at uh, the school, uh, he and his wife, they made their way from California uh, to Kansas for a season, and then now they're in Detroit, and Jeremy's a pastor. And uh, his church, they did a similar series um, on, on these meals with Jesus. And as he had told me about it months ago, I thought, this is just a great, uh, fun thing to do. Uh, we in Sonoma County, we love our food. Many of us would claim to be foodies, you know, and we get on Yelp and make sure where we're going to go is, is worthwhile and all of that. And so um, let's look at these meals. But it isn't simply because we're foodies and we think food is interesting. Um, here's the important thing to, to consider. As, again, this question's on the screen. It, it really is important to, to note why Jesus did the things he did. And, and as it relates to meals, uh, who he ate with. Jesus used meals as, as part of his ministry. This was an important part of, of what he did for the purpose he came. And so here's our series, When a Meal with Jesus Was More Than Food. As, as we're going to see even this morning, um, it was more than just he was hungry, okay? Uh, but there, there was more to it that 
God would say some things to us. In fact, several years ago, uh, pastor and teacher, writer, Tim Chester, uh, he writes a lot of books, he blogs now and, and equips uh, leaders and whatnot. He wrote a book called A Meal with Jesus, and he noted the following. He says that three times in the scriptures, the phrase, the Son of God came to, okay, and the Son of, excuse me, the Son of Man, that's Jesus' favorite designation for himself. Uh, if you're curious why, we can talk about that over a brownie later. Uh, but three different times in the scriptures, we read, the Son of Man came, and, and take a look at the screen. The first one is in Mark 10:45. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now notice the third one and, and the difference. Also in Luke, but going back to chapter 7, verse 34. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. So Chester writes this, the first two are statements of purpose. Why did the Son of Man came? He came to uh, serve, to give his life as a ransom, to seek and to save the lost. But the third, the one that's on the screen at the moment, is a statement of method. How did Jesus come? He came eating and drinking. Now, of course, Jesus walked. He walked quite a lot. Uh, he he talked to people in the evening and in the morning. He, he slept. He took naps. He did a lot of things. Uh, he performed miracles. But, but he deliberately came as a human who needed to eat and needed to drink. And often, with what we have recorded for us, these incidents of meals, uh, these meals were more than simply because he needed fuel. They, they, there was a purpose to them, a method a reason for those meals. And again, it spoke to why he had come. He wanted over a meal to, to talk with people about why he had come. So who, who would Jesus eat with if Jesus were coming today? That's what we want to think about this morning. So if you haven't already, Luke 5 is where uh, you should be for this morning's uh, passage, Luke 5, 27 to 32. And while you're flipping or swiping there, uh, let me just make a plug. It's been five weeks since I've been here preaching and teaching, and so uh, I can say this to you. Um, please bring one of these if you own one. And if I know any of you, you own more than one, probably because most Americans do. Um, and if you use a device, that's fine too. Um, but if you own a Bible please bring your Bible. Um, maybe different than some of our guest speakers. Um, I'll put supplemental verses on the screen, like if we go somewhere else from our main passage. But as your pastor, I want you looking in, in your Bible. I want you underlining, you know, mar marking. I want you highlighting or doing whatever. So uh, if you've, you know, gotten conveniently pleased with the screens, that's okay, but bring your Bible, please. And um, we do put some out every Sunday. So if you happen to forget, you can always grab one of those to use. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles that we will give you as well. And so we, we do have those. Talk to me afterwards. Um, but I want, I want you to see God's Word in your copy of the Bible. Again, whether it be old-fashioned paper and, uh, you know, uh, binding, or if, it, again, you're using digital. All right. So 
meals with Jesus, who would Jesus eat with? Let's take a look at this passage. And the first thing we're going to see this morning is that Jesus finds sinners. Jesus finds sinners. Luke chapter 5, where Dana read, let me read for us, uh, verse 27. After this, and, and the after this incident, by the way, again, it's in Mark, it's in Matthew, uh, Jesus has just finished healing the paralyzed man who his friends brought him to Jesus. And you might recall that story. He couldn't get to Jesus. The friends couldn't get him there because of the crowds. So they had this brilliant idea. Let's go up on the roof. Let's remove the roof and let's lower our friend to Jesus. And uh, so it's after that, okay, that Jesus now, after this incident, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the booth. Now you're, you're smart and you're thinking, Paul, you have on the screen Jesus finds sinners, but what you just read uh, is that Jesus saw a tax collector. How rude to call a tax collector a sinner. But come on, be honest. How many of you love writing that check? Or to, to, Okay, right? We, we get it, even if we don't get it, right? Taxes, right? That's not something we love. Well, uh, we need to remember, and again, for some of us this is a review, but um, tax collectors in, in the time and context of Jesus, they were viewed as sinners. Okay, Now, why, why is that? What, what is going on here? Well, again, uh, scholars remind us of, of this context that uh, in, in the ancient world in which Jesus lived, Rome, Rome was in charge. Rome was ruling, and together with local authorities, Rome would impose all kinds of taxes on the citizens, uh, direct polls, land taxes, indirect tolls, customs on goods in transit. I mean, whatever they could get away with to collect your money, their money, the citizens, they did. Sounds familiar in, in a lot of regards. Uh, tolls, taxes, all of that good stuff. Now, the Romans, though, what they would do, they didn't have enough people, nor did they want their people to be around collecting all the taxes. So they would lease out the right to collect the taxes to individuals from amongst the people that they were over, who would then themselves take a surcharge and uh, keep that money for themselves. And therefore, there was really no way to control this. So the system was abused and it was corrupt. And so tax collectors were despised in Israel. Okay, just, just imagine for a minute. Um, not only because of the extortion that was going on, not only because, again, these people were you know, collecting what Rome required, but then taking on more for themselves. That, right there, that would be a reason to despise and hate. But, but they were complicit with Rome. They were complicit with those foreigners that were ruling over God's people. And, and as, as Gentiles, they, they were non-Jews. And again, um, they were considered by God's people, the Israelites, to be unclean for all of that. For, um, so, so, so Roman and Gentiles are. So if you have a tax collector who now is extorting money and then is complicit with these Gentiles, I mean, and embezzling, I mean, they were viewed as sinners. They were viewed as sinners. And so this is why Luke can... Can, can say, uh, and as we're going to see the word sinner show up in our text several different times, uh, for Jesus to go and to see Matthew, and, and, and here in, in Luke, he's called Levi, and it's the same person, I'll talk about that in a second, um, and, and call to him, as we're going to see in a minute, he, he is finding someone who in that context would have been 
thought of as a sinner. Verse 27 again. So Jesus sees Levi. So again, Levi, Matthew is the same person. Um, it may be that Levi was Matthew's middle name, Matthew Levi, right? We all have, many of us, middle, second names. It could be, scholars also know that um, Matthew was a Levite, and, and so he gets called um, Levi, but maybe he was from the tribe of Levi. If that's the case, then he would especially be hated by his countrymen, because you may recall that uh, a Levite should have pursued uh, what we would call a religious vocation, a religious occupation. And instead, if he's a Levite and he pursues being a tax collector, well, that's a dishonest vocation. So again, he, he was most definitely considered a tax collector. Look back at verse 27, the second part of it, and then 28. And Jesus said to him, to Levi, follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed him. Jesus sees Levi and says, follow me. Now, we don't know how long Jesus had seen, uh, you know, Levi. Again, uh, how many of you watched The Chosen? Um, is there some Chosen fans in the, the house? Uh, it's actually last year I watched the first few episodes of season one. Uh, and I think, if I recall the timeline of the series, uh, Matthew plays prominent part in, in that series. And so if, if you know, um, again, that's, that's fiction. That's, that's the uh, creators kind of dreaming up who these characters may have been and whatnot. Uh, and so, you know, it's okay to have some of that in your head, but according to the Bible, we don't know how long they passed each other. Uh, but, but what Luke records for us is that Jesus sees him, and, and at some point it sounds like it's kind of immediate. He, he says, follow me. And the text says, immediately... Levi left everything and followed him. If we were reading out of uh, Matthew or, or Mark, we, we would learn that this is the same uh, way Jesus spoke to Peter, James, and John, fishermen. He had gone to them and said, follow me, and they, they left everything, the text tells us, their, their livelihood. So the fishermen, that was their business, they, they left it and they followed Jesus. And of course, later in the Gospels, uh, after Jesus has died and he's uh, been buried um, before he's resurrected. They're confused, and, and Peter and the others, they, they go fishing, and they kind of, we're not sure if they were wanting to return to their old occupation, or if Peter just, you know, when he needed to think, he liked to get out on the lake and, you know, cast his line or his net, but, but that was their livelihood, and they left everything, and, and Luke here is telling us the same thing for, for Levi. He, he leaves it. He leaves this profession, this life, follow Jesus. Again, he was despised by his fellow Jews because of this job, his wealth, his cheating, his relationship with Rome. He was a sinner. A New Testament scholar Leon Morris, he says this, Levi must have been the richest of the apostles. If you think about the twelve. We should not miss the quiet heroism in this. If following Jesus had not worked out for the fishermen, well, they could return to their trade without difficulty. But when Levi walked out of his job, he was through. They would surely never take back a man who had simply abandoned his tax office. His following of Jesus was a final commitment. Levi, the sinner, the cheater, the extortioner, he, he left 
at, at the call of Jesus and he followed Jesus. And that's true of all of us. We don't always think of ourselves as sinners like tax collectors, okay? But this is, this is true of all of us. Take a look at the screen. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 5.8 that God shows his love for us in that while we had cleaned up our act and made ourselves good and righteous and holy, Jesus died for us. Oh, no, no, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's another way of saying that Jesus called us, follow me, while we were sinners. Or 1 Timothy 1.15, again the Apostle Paul, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. What is? That Christ, Jesus, came into the world to save good people who go to church and tithe at least 10% and pray three times a day. No. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul says, of whom I am the foremost, the Apostle Paul. It's interesting. When he wrote this, Paul had been a Christian quite a while. And of course, God had been at work sanctifying him and making him holy and yet he still recognizes not only what had been true of him when he was a persecutor and, and all of that uh, before Jesus called him, but, but even in this moment, he, he is that. The way the Reformers spoke of it in Latin, simi justus et peccator, at the same time, just and sinner. We, we are, if we are followers of Jesus, if God has saved us, if he's transformed us, we are still saints who sin. We still have this, this flesh that, that reverts back to things. We, we are still sinners. It's true of all of us. We are being sanctified, but, but this is true of every single person, not just tax collectors like Levi. Do you realize this? Do you remember this? Jesus finds sinners. That's what he does. You, you heard me read at the start. Why did he come? To seek and to save the lost. That's another way of saying finding sinners. This is why he came. And in context of a story, Luke is telling us, Jesus saw a sinner, Levi, and said to him, follow me. And Levi left everything and followed him. If you this morning are a Christian, it's because you were a sinner, and you still sin now, but you were a sinner who needed Jesus to save you, and at some point he called you to himself, and you responded, and you believed, and you followed him. Maybe there's some this morning that haven't done that yet. Maybe you're still kind of investigating Christianity and Jesus and, and maybe just right here, even as Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, maybe, maybe through his spirit, God is calling you right now to him, to, to, to follow him. Maybe today's the day. Jesus finds sinners. Jesus found Levi, and Levi responded. And what's interesting is we're going to see next, Levi's response revealed what was going on on the inside. Not only does he leave everything, his way of life, and again, don't, don't miss that. Like, if, if 
following Jesus doesn't work out, this itinerant rabbi that you don't know, okay, like if it doesn't work out, he, he, very unlikely he can go back to what he, he was doing. So there's that whole incident and in, in truth. But, but as we're going to see, um, he's filled with joy. And, and one of the things people do when, when they're filled with joy is they throw a party. They throw a feast. They, they, they want others to be aware of what's going on. And so with great excitement, that's exactly what happens. It's interesting, again, as we move to the second part. Jesus doesn't just say to Levi, follow me and, and uh, you know, now come join my, my tribe, my group. And, of course, that's part of what happened. But notice Jesus is going to enter into Levi's world. So the second thing in our passage this morning, not only does Jesus find sinners, but Jesus, number two, feasts with sinners. So look back at our incident, our account here. Verse 29. And Levi, having just responded to Jesus, Levi made a great feast. The other gospel writers call it a banquet. Levi made Jesus a great feast in his house. And there was a large company. And notice what the, this, this, the, the, the text says. There was a large company of tax collectors. So that's like his former co-workers, you know. Hey, I'm giving my, my two-week notice. I got my box packed. But come on over to my house when you all get off. And you know, I got someone I want you to meet. Okay, so there's this gathering of tax collectors. But then notice what Luke says. Luke says, and others. Again, if we were to look at the harmony, um, the others that Matthew and Mark say are sinners. That's what it says in their accounts. There was this large gathering, this house full of other sinners that are tax collectors and just sinners. We don't know what exactly their reason for being sinners were, but that's it's just interesting. I love how Luke just says others at this point. And what are they doing? They're reclining at table with them. So um, I, I'm thinking just in my own life in the last like couple of months, a couple of times in particular where, where I've, I've been at what I would describe as, as a great feast. So I'm thinking in particular, um, we've had a couple of men's dinners and uh, most recently we were at Dennis Osset's house and I think the other guys would agree when we showed up, Dennis was back there and he was grilling and there were tables set up and the, the, the house was ready for us and everybody brought something and, and us guys, we, we enjoyed a great feast. We were all welcomed there. There was no one that wasn't supposed to be there that was there. It was, it was a feast for all of us. And uh, the time before that, we were at Anderson Puckett's house. And it was the same thing. You just felt when you showed up, wow, this, this has been prepared for us. We're supposed to be here. We're welcomed. It was more than just fuel, eating the food we ate. It was a banquet. It was a feast. Uh, I think of, of our ladies, too. Uh, some of the times when uh, you've gathered for uh, some of your women in community gatherings. You're never gathering as ladies just to read a book and talk about a book, right? It's, it's waffles one month or it's, you know, some themed, you know, brunch uh, the next month. And so it's, it's not just what we need to feed a little bit of food, you know, so you don't grumble in your stomach, you know, kind of Winnie the Pooh thing, but, but it's this feast, this banquet, meals with a purpose kind of an occasion. And, and that's what Levi's doing. He, he is filled with joy. He's been found as a sinner. Jesus has called him. He's been transformed. And he wants his former co-workers and other sinners to meet Jesus. And Jesus doesn't stand far off and debate whether he should go. And 
he goes. He goes. And they recline at table. You see, in the ancient world, again, a little different than in our world, we, we kind of know what it's like to have banquets and feasts, but in the ancient world, really, they were big on honoring and repaying honor with honor. So, so Levi has been honored that this Jewish rabbi finds him, calls him, saves him, transforms him. So now he wants to honor Jesus by having this gathering, this party. He's so excited for everyone to meet Jesus. Don't miss what's, what's implied there. Levi, having been a sinner, having been now found and transformed, he, he wants other people to experience that. It's just, it's right there. He, he wants a party so that others can meet this Jesus. He, he wants to reach his friends. He wants them to hang out together. He wants to celebrate his acceptance with Jesus and he wants his friends to experience this as well. Maybe you can recall when you came to follow Jesus. Some of you, you've had the honor and privilege of maybe growing up in church. And so maybe you don't remember. Maybe for you, you've kind of always believed, even though at some point you made a personal decision to follow Jesus, to repent of your sin and to put your faith and trust in his life and his death and resurrection for you. But, but for some of us, I remember being in junior high and in early high school. I mean, it was a decisive 180 in my life. And, and as a young Christian, I, I wanted everyone to know. I wanted my friends in school to know. I, well, I put a Bible verse on my letterman jacket so that as a football player, people would also read something and ask about it and I could talk to them about Jesus. It's often the case that when people experience God's grace and forgiveness. They, they just naturally want to want to tell people. And, and then something seems to happen to a lot of us. We, we outgrow that youthful celebratoriness. And we just kind of do our thing. And, you know, if people ask, what do you do on Sunday? Well, we might tell them we go to church or, you know, but it's just something, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one that realizes, well, I, I, don't, I don't live as excited to tell people about what God's done as I did, uh, but, but coming to this text reminds me, again, when, when God saves, when God changes, um, we ought to be celebrating. And we're going to come back to this at the end, because really that's one of the applications. We need to be like Levi and have some banquets and invite some sinners to these banquets. Um, well, let's see the third movement of the passage. Not only does Jesus find sinners, not only does he feast with sinners, but but as we look at the final three verses here of this account, we're going to see that Jesus fulfills his mission at the table. This is what we kind of already said from those passages at the beginning. So verses 30 through 32. So they're at this feast. And the Pharisees, now it's interesting, they must have seen all this, right? Small town and, and there's people all heading somewhere and you know, Matthew, and they didn't like Levi Matthew because of what he did with taxes. So they're probably aware that he's left his booth. And so they're, they're aware. Um, and maybe some of them got invited to this party too, or they're just looking on at what's going on. But, but they show up, um, the Pharisees, and it says, the Pharisees and their scribes, which again, is just a, a way of saying the experts of the, the, the law, the Old Testament. And they were likely 
scribes of the Pharisees. So they were like the, lead, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and then the leaders of the, the Pharisees, this, this group. They grumbled, grumbled, they, they murmured, they complained. What, what? What were they grumbling about? What were they complaining about? Well, it says, they grumbled, complained at his disciples. They don't even say it to Jesus directly, but to some of Jesus' followers. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Again, this is a time when boundary marker spirituality, as one writer from many years ago put it, was on full display. And so who you ate with revealed everything about how righteous you were or weren't. And a good, righteous Israelite would not eat and drink at all with tax collectors and other sinners. Because just to be in the same room would make you defiled ceremonially and, and you might you know, get contaminated by their immoral way of life. And so that, that was one of their boundary markers. Like you, you know, they, they had their dietary laws themselves, what they ate, uh, and a few other things. Keeping the Sabbath was a big boundary marker. And another is who you, you ate and who you didn't eat with. And so they're, they're complaining, they're murmuring, they're grumbling. So they say, why do you all eat with these tax collectors and sinners? Jesus overhears, comes out of the house maybe. We're not exactly sure what it exactly looked like, but Jesus answers there rumbling, complaining question with these words. Verse 31 and 32. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, right? And then he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right here at the table, Jesus reveals his mission, why he came. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to, to forgive sins. And the way he puts it here, I've not come to call the, the righteous. And what he means is self-righteous because no one's righteous. Okay? He means I'm, I've not come for the people who think they've got it all together. I've come for sinners. I've come for people like Levi who, who at my call realize I, I, need, I need him. I need that one. The way I'm doing life isn't working out for me and my own people don't like me anymore. Rome's probably not happy with me and they don't really care about me. I'll, I'll go to him. Jesus says, it's not those who are well and need doctors. It's sick people. And, and I'm, I'm a doctor of the, of the heart. I'm the physician of the soul. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Although a guest at this party of Levi, Jesus now, with these words, one, one writer puts it this way, Jesus now basically functions as the host of this banquet. Right? The banquet was thrown for him so that Levi's friends could meet Jesus, but, but in, in answering this way, Jesus is now functioning as the host, and he's inviting everyone to come to the table. I hope you picked up on the theme even in the songs today. We, we are invited by Jesus to come call goes out to come. It's what Daniel shared to help us understand the catechism, the keys of the kingdom. Christian, those of us that have followed Jesus, that have heard the call and responded, we, 
we've, we've been invited to come to this banquet and this table, and Jesus, he feasts with us. And he's, he's taking care of us. He's cleaning us up. He's making us more like himself. He doesn't expect perfection. He just wants us to follow him. And, and, and in meeting with us, metaphorically, figuratively, right, he's, he's calling us, I believe, as we see this story, to do what Levi does, to have meals. And, and in those meals, to, to invite people in, to invite others. Eating is a great way to have conversation with people. You can slow down. You can get to know people. You can bring up things. You can talk about things. Again, service things, but you can kind of linger and go to a whole another level. And Jesus here, in answering their grumbling, complaining, is saying, I'm going to fulfill my mission. And one of the places I'm going to do it is, is at that table. Um, and no, um, I'm not becoming unclean by hanging out with these guys. And, and they're not becoming righteous just because they're in proximity to me. No, they still have to respond to me. But, 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 but Jesus makes it so that we can do this. So here's two questions for us to consider. One of them I put on the screen. Just, just think for a second. How might Jesus' calling of Levi give us hope for the unbelievers we know, maybe it's family, maybe some neighbors, maybe it's coworkers, classmates. Think about Jesus' calling of Levi and how might that give us hope for those that we know who seem unreachable with the gospel. If you had asked, you know, those in Jesus' day who, who thought they were righteous, do tax collectors have any chance? No, no, no. Vile sinners, people, you know. We have, we have people like that we think of too. Like I have a category of a person right now. I'm not going to say it. I'm too, too embarrassed for you to know, honestly. Like, Maybe if, if you want to have coffee with me, I'll tell you um, privately. But I'm not. I, but I, it's embarrassing. But I was thinking about it this morning. God revealed it to me. Like there, there's a category of person that like I just despise. And now you're all totally curious. It's not what you think. I'm sure. It might be. It might be, not be. But if Jesus could call a, a tax collector in that world, he, he can call people that I'm thinking of and the people that you're thinking of and and not even those people that we have prejudices and we despise but even the people we love and we think oh they they're not responding they they don't want to come they you know God, he can do it he can do it he's inviting we have the keys we 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 just share come come to God come to Jesus come come hang out have a meal and so that kind of brings up now a couple of final questions. Um, they're not on the screen. I want you just to think about this. But if Jesus has found you, and he's found most of us, I think, in the room, um, we're, we've been feasting, in a sense, with him, okay? And who then might he want you to literally invite over for a feast, to have a barbecue, to, to you know, have brunch or something, to just have relationship with? so that just maybe, if he's willing, he might work through you, and maybe there's an opportunity for conversation. And over the context of a meal, even as Jesus fulfilled his mission over the context of a meal, he might still fulfill his mission to save through the context of a meal. It's only July 31. It's still summer-ish, right? Who this summer in your world 
does God want you to have a, a meal for? That's, that's your to-do question. Jesus finds sinners, he feasts with sinners, and he fulfills his mission at the table. And I believe he uses us because we are called to make disciples. But that doesn't mean make little Paul's or your name. Okay, no. We, we, to make a disciple means a follower of Jesus. That's all of our call. That's our mission. And so Jesus invites us to join him on mission to help people begin and grow in following him and he could still do it through the context of a meal. Who in your world does he want you to invite? Next week, we're going to jump far ahead into Luke, Lord willing, and get to the meal we think of as the Last Supper. So next Sunday is the first Sunday of August. That's when we as a church celebrate the Lord's Supper. So how fitting that we look at that meal in a little more detail than just a quick little you know, three-minute version of it that is typical of what we do on communion Sundays. So we'll get into Luke 22, I believe it is, and we'll unpack the Last Supper, communion, that meal that Jesus is having, and that meal that we have with him as well. So that's, that's what's coming next week. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the call of Levi. What a short little account. Um, but God, so much more than just his story, so much more than just you finding him a sinner and, and calling him to follow you. We see in it our own selves as sinners that for most of us you've called. And as I mentioned earlier, God, maybe today there's some that, that today is the day that you're calling them to yourself to believe and to trust, to, to stop thinking they can live life without you, but they need someone to forgive them of their sin and to give them purpose and meaning. And if you're doing that, God, do it right now. Save them. Give them the courage to come talk to me or someone else. Thank you that in this account we see ourselves in the, the tax collectors. We, we too think there's some people we shouldn't eat with. Um, give us the courage to, to get beyond that and to have some people over to share you and to, on mission, have a meal and see what you could do. I, I thank you for the invitation to come that we've responded to, most of us, and that we enjoy. Thank you for who you are. Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.